Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Welcome to Koinonia. I'm Mark Buckley filling in for the great Tom Brown today. And with me in the studio is Tim Birdwell from Phoenix Bible Church, one fine guy. Thanks for being here, Tim. Glad to be here, Mark. We're going to get to know Tim up close and personal, find out about his faith, his ministry. He's got a great young church in the center of downtown, and we're going to hear all about that. But I think, Tim, I owe it to our listeners to say uh, I was sort of disappointed about 7 o'clock last night when the Cardinals just totally imploded. Did you watch the game? <laughs> I did. Yeah, it was it was a disappointment. They never woke up. They never did. And uh, it's one of those deals where momentum is a really big thing. You know, if the momentum's going in the wrong direction, then people get discouraged and people maybe – you know, start questioning, whereas the other team, they get momentum and they start believing and everything just starts to click for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So uh, you're from Seattle originally. We're going to find out about you or you weren't even there from originally, but you moved here from the Seattle area. Start your story and then we'll continue it on the other side of our break in a few minutes. Yeah, we're actually from Texas. Grew up in Texas. Um Grew up around the church in Texas, grew up with Christian parents and family and all that. Uh, met Jesus at a young age, mm-hmm. eight years old. Um, but I was always a thinker, kind of a curious kid, even at that age. And so I was in church, one of those kids that's in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Really? And uh, Was it a classic uh, church? Was it Pentecostal? Internet? It was a Baptist church, yeah. Baptist church. Yeah, yeah. Most Christians or Baptists in Texas, right? <laughs> That's the way it goes, yeah. Uh, so just learned a lot of massive truths and always mm-hmm. had questions. Um, just never got past that why stage. Mm-hmm. And so uh, kind of rebelled in high school. God really began to form my faith in college through really two key moments. Um, later on, ended up moving to the Northwest for a short time, but uh, grew up in Texas, yeah. So where'd you go to college? Stephen F. Austin University in Texas. And what'd you study? Um, health science, actually. Okay. Yeah. And and were there's a couple of people instrumental in uh, awakening your faith as well? There were, yeah. Those two moments that I referred to. One was um, in college as I was kind of rebelling and trying to figure out my own faith and not have my mm-hmm. parents' faith. Um, went to a church, and I kind of was going to different churches just to figure this thing out mm-hmm. for myself. And I heard a guy preach, and he just preached on the story of the Bible. And so he started in Genesis and went through Revelation and just how it all fits together, how it all points to Jesus. And despite the fact that I grew up in the church, I I never had heard that before. Yeah, you Um, got some real clarity with the vision. Yeah, and I was just blown away by that, really. Mm -hmm. Um, a A couple years later, really, I had the opportunity to go to Romania on a mission trip, a short-term deal, and um, really shouldn't have been on that trip. I wasn't walking closely with the Lord, mm-hmm. um, didn't know still a lot about Scripture and all those things, but um, went, had a couple months in advance notice. A friend of mine just said, hey, we're going to Romania on this mission trip, and I'm like, no, there's no way I should do that. I'm not that guy, and he's like, no, come on. It'll be fun, and it was back in the day when you could get a, a passport a little bit easier now. Yeah than you can now. And so I uh, managed to get a passport, agreed to go for whatever reason. 
just because I thought it would be fun. And um, on that trip, I got to share the gospel with a 19-year-old Romanian kid um, and answer every question he had about God and end up leading him to Christ. Really? And, um, and then the Holy Spirit was speaking to the you. The Holy the Spirit time. was speaking to me more than him in some ways, and that totally just rocked me. And and really after that point, I was I was never the same. It kind of grabbed me and never let go. Wonderful. My guest is Tim Birdwell from Phoenix Bible Church. We'll be right back with this interview in just a moment. Stay tuned to Koinonia. to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley. My guest is Tim Birdwell, and we're um, listening to Tim's story, how he came to know Christ, how he got grew and got involved in ministry, and how he eventually came to this valley, and how Phoenix Bible Church has come to be. So, Tim, tell us more of your story. You graduated from college. What happened then? Yeah, so I had that experience in Romania, felt called mm-hmm. to the ministry, got to start teaching Bible studies as a college student. I uh, got to preach in front of like 300 college students mm-hmm. at our church and um, lead mission trips. And Wonderful. Um, then you had the bug at that point, huh? Yeah, I just knew this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I wanted mm-hmm. to see people changed by Jesus. And um, so graduated from college, got married uh, to my wife, Jaya, and um, we saved money and went to seminary in Dallas, Texas. Which one? Um, Dallas Theological Seminary. Okay. And um, really just to get a, a foundation of Bible and, mm-hmm. and theology to How'd go like do it? ministry. It was great. It was great. It was, it was a learning experience for sure, um, just navigating a, a seminary culture, but really just getting that. Now, did you have to sign any kind of like a doctrinal pledge or anything? Did they have uh, anti-charismatic or dispensational? They didn't when I was there. Okay. I definitely think that was more the roots. We had those conversations, okay. obviously, when I went. But it was but, uh, nothing mandatory, no. No, no, not not that I got at all. It was really just a way to uh, to learn the Bible, yeah, and learn the basics of theology. Mm-hmm. And um, and you had some great teachers. Then. I did, yeah. I got to be there with uh, a guy named Howard Hendricks, mm-hmm. some other just really good Bible teachers. Really thankful for that time. Um, did you make some good friends there too. We did. You know, seminary is one of those places where so many people come in. I mean, there's international over. students, and so. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I wish we would have taken advantage of that more, to yeah. be honest with you. But we did, yeah. And what did they have, like 1,000 students or 1,500? Oh, or gosh, something? I think they're I think they're maybe like 2,000 now, something wow. like that. So where'd years. you go from there? So graduated from seminary, started getting into the idea of church planning while mm-hmm. I was in seminary. Um, really the idea of um, being a missionary in your own city yeah, and not having to go overseas to do that. You could mm-hmm. do it in your city and plant a church out of that and raise up missionaries. Mm-hmm. And um, had a friend, longtime friend, planning a church in Austin, Texas. And I was getting ready to graduate seminary. He was getting ready to plant a church and mm-hmm. just said, hey, let's, let's do this together. And uh, so my wife and I prayed. It was what we had been talking about. Um, so we graduated from seminary. Mm-hmm. Two days later, had our first kid. Wow. And then moved to Austin, Texas two weeks later to form a core group of a new church plant. I was the associate pastor 
kind of a jack of all trades. It was a crazy mm-hmm. start to ministry, uh, but it was also a lot of fun. You were just plunged in. Yep, right away. And stop. And right where'd away. your support come from? Uh, friends, family, mm-hmm. um, any network, any city. Anybody who would in. give. <laughs> yeah. Anybody we invited to our wedding list. Yes, yeah, right. that, was, that was the support list. So how long were you there? Four years. Four years. Is the church still going? It is. Wonderful. So he's still there. Uh, lots of people we love and care about are still there. Um, we just felt the pool probably in year three to four of God calling us out to lead out in a church plant. Uh-huh. And once we clarified that with our elders, they supported that and just said, hey, I don't want to leave just for anything. Right. Uh, but if I find the right opportunity, we feel like God's calling us to plant a church that we want to do that. They supported that. Uh, ended up in that process getting connected with a, a large church planning church in the Northwest called uh-huh. Mars Hill Church. Mm-hmm. And uh, decided that's where we felt like God was calling us. And they had a residency program for church planning specifically. Really? So you could be on staff, shepherd, pastor, but also learn and prepare to plant and, church. And how did that work? Did they have like regular classes? Did they have guys that had planted churches come in and teach? How, how was that structured? Yeah, all the above, really. It was part practice, part principles. Mm-hmm. Um, so learning classroom stuff, but also practical experience mm-hmm. and Uh, So I got to go to Portland, actually, to live, to be a part of a church that was about two years old that they Mm -hmm. had, which was perfect because they were still in the process. They were a new church as well. And so um, just super important uh, in my preparation for what we're doing now. Yeah. 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 And then Tudjan in Phoenix. Yeah. So the the craziness continues. So we were in Portland, knew we were going to be sent out somewhere. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't permanent. Um, Didn't know it was going to be Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, but had that opportunity to to come here. My wife and I came and visited just to see what the Lord had for us. And just both of us left coming here for three days, really, uh, saying this is where God God wants us. And so we came and to a brand new church in Phoenix, um, part of that network of churches, and just hit the ground running for just a few short months, actually. And then, and, and then, then, and then, kind of transition, huh? Kind of status quo for us yeah. of the unexpected. Uh, three months in, we were actually preparing for a vision night for the mm-hmm. fall. So I'm a new pastor, have a vision for the fall. Of, yeah. Here's what we're going to do, the things we're going to roll out. It's going to be amazing. Three hours before that vision night, I got a call from. This family of churches, yeah, yeah, and saying, hey, I'm so sorry, uh, but we have to, to make cuts financially because yeah. we were all supported financially, and um, and the first one has to be you guys in Phoenix. Wow. Three hours before our vision night. And Did so you I'm, have any inkling that was coming? No, not that. You knew there were tremors. I knew there course. was hardships, yeah, yeah. but not, not to that extent. So um, we're getting ready for this vision night. And I just think, you know, mm-hmm. Phoenix is urban sprawl. People right. are getting ready to come. Sure. We can't cancel. It's too late. Right. And so I just went off and prayed. I mean, essentially I was laid off, so I didn't know what I was going to yeah. do personally. I didn't know what was going to happen to this church family. And so I went away and prayed and just felt like we're going to do this vision night yeah. and I'm going to proclaim Jesus and share the gospel. And so I got up and that's what I did for 30 minutes. I got up and just, and you told people gospel. that, there's some uncertainty in terms of the network. I didn't. Um, honestly, it was so new. I didn't know uh-huh. what to do. And so I just I just said, hey, the foundation of anything we hope to happen is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about what that looks like. 
And uh, afterwards, people were excited. They were like, yeah. man, that was amazing. Yes, we should be Jesus-centered. Right. But that was different than most vision nights I've been to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you know, we just we have to start with Jesus, and, and that's where it all starts. So I, I prayed that week, um, had a couple of transformative moments, mm-hmm. um, one of which was just really laid out on my floor um, in our living room. wasn't one of my best moments, to mm-hmm. be honest. And just asking, God, why did you bring us here? Yeah. Why did you bring us here to close this down in three months? Um, and my wife just listened as I'm laid out on the floor and just said, you know, Tim, if, if security stability wasn't a factor, <laughs> what would you do? Yeah. And I said, well, I'd plant a church. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she said, all right, let's do that. That's and awesome. For me, that was um, God speaking and saying, this is crazy, doesn't mm-hmm. make sense, but this is what you're going to do. And so I got up the next Sunday and then shared, hey, this is very sad. It's a sad day, but it's not the last day. Right. And we believe that despite the fact this is closing down, that God has a new work. And we have no idea what that's mm-hmm. going to look like. Uh, we had no money, literally zero money, uh, not a place to meet, uh, four weeks to close the church. Um and against, so you were given one month's notice. We were given one month's notice, and um, we just felt like against all odds, we're, we're going to do something, and we don't know what that looks like. Yeah. And so I got up and said that and asked, hey, if you're interested at all in that, what could be next? It's going to be different. It's going to be mm-hmm. new. Uh, sign up. And by yeah. God's grace, some people said, yeah, that's me. Awesome. Awesome. I was talking to a guy um, about taking over a church, who the pastor's resigning, and I have a couple of candidates on our church staff that could possibly take it over. And um, I said to him, I want you to be aware we're going to have this discussion this week. Um, I want you to be thinking about it, praying about it. Um, but what I need to know is, do you have passion for this? Mm-hmm. You know, is this something I'm, I'm not I don't want to know. Do, are you looking at this like this is a secure job? Because as a pastor with a church plant or you're taking over a church that's really been struggling or whatever, it's not a secure job, but there's nothing really more secure than doing what you feel like God really wants you to do and going for it 100%. Yeah. And that that's really what it's got to be. Yeah. Because you do lay down your life. There's no way around that. Everybody right. that does a fruitful ministry lays down their life. Yeah. And that's what became clear to us is that um, this is what God wired us for. He placed us here for that. And... I think we can obviously see that clearer now in hindsight, yeah, yeah. a year and a half later. Um, but even in that moment, we just felt like God created us for stuff like this. And mm-hmm. uh, the form may change, but the function doesn't have to. We came here to to lead a church, to make disciples right. of Jesus. Right. And we can do that through Phoenix Bible Church, through a new church, um, just like we could have through the other thing. That's right. Yeah. That's awesome. And it sounds like your wife is the one that I should be interviewing in terms of a woman of faith, huh? <laughs> you should. Tell us, you should. Tell us She's about definitely her the better bit. half. Um, my wife, uh, she was formed a lot through college, too, through mm-hmm. Campus Crusade for Christ, and uh, almost went on staff with them, mm-hmm. and really just evangelistic. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that, that drew me to her was she just, I would see her on campus not because she had to, not be, honestly, not even part of the ministry. I would see her on campus with a Bible and another girl. Sharing her faith. And huh? she was sharing the gospel. And I just thought, 
that's so different. That's yeah. so weird. Like she's doing that just because she wants to. And yeah. um, that's just her. It still is today. She, we have three kids, so it yeah. looks different, right? Yeah. Um, but she's working with young moms. I yeah, bet. but she she loves meeting with women, discipling yeah. women. That's awesome. And um, yeah, she she's definitely the reason we're able to do what we're doing. Yeah, you have to. Every woman out there, um, you need to know if you're married that your husband can only do what he's doing if you've got the grace for it and you support him and encourage him and yeah. and you're going to have as much reward from the Lord for what you two accomplish together, um, uh, but. You know, part of how you determine the will of God is what does your wife have grace for? That's what I think. I mean, yeah. uh, w- my wife and I have planted churches and um, been part of teams planting churches in San Rafael, California, and Novato, California, and Vallejo, California, and here in Phoenix. And uh, I remember a number of years ago talking to Christina about planting another church, and she said, well, not with me. <laughs> it's like, she's, I'm done. You know, yeah. I mean, and we, we've been fruitful and we've had a wonderful marriage 42 years. But she, uh, when she says she's done with something, that's when you I know. know. Yeah, yeah, I know that my calling is to be help others plant churches at this stage of my life, not sure. to be trying to lead to charge myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was huge for us. And um, like I said, that moment where she kind of gave the endorsement. That just kind of launched us into to planting Phoenix Bible Church. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And we're going to find out particulars about Phoenix Bible Church in just a moment. Are we up on another break? Um, and this is Mark Buckley from Living Streams. If you're looking for good churches in this area, I want to recommend Phoenix Bible Church. I'll invite you to Living Streams. Um, but stay tuned because we've got more to come. God bless. Welcome back. This is Mark Buckley, and my guest is Tim Birdwell. Um, Tim, tell us about Phoenix Bible Church. What are some of the themes? What are some of the particulars? Describe your community, commitment, and where you're meeting and that sort of thing. Yeah, so we're a year and a half in, uh, very much still a a church plant, so a lot of things are being formed, Mm -hmm. uh, leadership development, all of those things. Um, We first started, I mentioned we didn't have a place to meet, Mm -hmm. didn't have money, so we kind of had to raise money find a place to meet temporarily. We did that in the evening on Sunday nights Mm -hmm. in downtown Phoenix. And it was really fantastic for what we needed at the time, uh, but quickly realized we needed something in the morning on Sundays. And man, just our whole story is is just laden with God's grace. And this is no different. But uh, December of 2014, just a few months old as a church, we were looking for morning locations, Mm -hmm. couldn't find one. Uh, talked to a school downtown called ASU Prep Academy. It's a K through 12 charter school right on 7th Street, mm-hmm. right next to the Children's Museum, right down the street from ASU downtown, just a prime location. Talked to them. They had just met as a board and said, hey, we have this amazing auditorium, and they do. 
we should rent that out to a, a church yeah. or, or something. We should rent it out yeah. to somebody. And I came to them and just said, hey, we're a church. We need a place. It's a perfect fit, huh? And uh, they were like, fantastic. We, we need a, a renter. And um, so it was really, yeah, it was a, a perfect fit. So we started the new year, uh, 2015, January 11th. Mm-hmm. We kind of had our grand opening at ASU Prep Academy and, downtown and Phoenix. And how's the, what's the difference been in terms of your community and so forth, being able to meet Sunday morning? Yeah, I think it's just, it allows us to intersect with so many more mm-hmm. people. People in that community, people that come and visit us. I mean, when we started, we really didn't have a website. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really didn't have an online presence. Uh, we were meeting at night in downtown. Um, tough for our families. Some of our families literally couldn't come because they had nap time. Yeah, <laughs> during our meetings. And so a lot of them came back. A lot of people just found out about us. We got a website and all awesome. of that stuff. And uh, so it's just allowed us to connect with a ton more people. So what's ASU downtown? How's the campus going down there? And how many students do they have now? Yeah, so we're at ASU Prep. Um, mm-hmm. It's the charter school that mm-hmm. ASU kind of raises up students in. But ASU downtown is down the street. And I don't know how many students they have, but it's changed the culture of downtown. Has it? I mean, it's it's a nice campus, and uh, you walk around down there, you see tons of students walking yeah. around. Yeah, uh, restaurants are mm-hmm. busy. Coffee shops mm-hmm. that typically time, probably huh? wouldn't have been busy before are now filled with college students. Um, it's it's really it's made downtown just a center point. Not just for work, but also school and culture and all those. I know things. you getting some of the kids from the school to your church. We get a little bit. We get probably more from GCU, to be uh-huh. honest. Um, I think most of ASU downtown are, are commuters, uh-huh. um, and so I don't know that we figured out a way to to do that well and connect with them well. We want to. Yeah. Uh, we just started literally our first one. We launched it this month uh, called PBCPM and uh, Phoenix Bible Church at night, and so we did a night service. But like really not a service, a Bible study, yeah, uh, kind of low-key worship, teaching, community um, for specifically young adults and college students. And uh, it was great, a great first step mm-hmm. in that direction. So we want to do more stuff like that. We're going to do that once a month uh, and try to incorporate GCU, ASU downtown, Wonderful. ASU Tempe, and kind of bring Wonderful. those guys together. So give us some of the themes you're teaching on. So right now we're going through the book of First Peter. Uh, which is all about hope in the midst of suffering. Yeah, uh, that was extremely relevant, not only because of our last couple years mm-hmm. personally, but just you know we have friends, family that are in the midst of suffering. Right, and I think specifically in a new year, a lot of people have hope. Uh, the problem with that is a lot of times it's it's false hope. It's yeah. built on a some sort of artificial clean slate of a new year, New Year's resolutions. And they just find themselves in a few months back in the suffering, back in the strife, back in the sin. Mm-hmm. And so we just thought personally and for our church, um, it would be really impactful to talk about what First Peter talks about, this living hope right. that we have in Jesus that does actually sustain us way more than a new year does, way more yeah. than a flip on the calendar does. Right. And so we're three years, three weeks rather into that series and it's been um, it's been really helpful in my own life. I've said uh, in one of the sermons that this book is studying me, yeah, probably more than I'm studying it. And um, I think that's been helpful for our church to, to just walk through and and see what Jesus is teaching us through that. One one of the um, themes there that I've always liked is he talks about 
if you suffer for doing right. Mm. You know, we're all familiar with suffering for doing wrong. And he says, what credit is that to you? But if you suffer for doing right, this is commendable before God. And in the Greek, this is charis. This is grace. You gain grace a couple of different ways. First, Peter talks about one is, you didn't, you're not responsible for the mess, but you're in the mess. You're suffering because you're obeying God, and he gives you grace for that. And if you humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, he, uh, he resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. He'll raise you up. There's ways that even though we don't earn grace, mm. we can receive it. And Peter, I think, understood a lot about suffering and a lot about grace. Yeah, and that's what we've seen. I mean, you see it in Peter's audience. Um, these exiles that are displaced, extreme suffering, mm-hmm. but you see them being formed through that. Right. And that's what we're, we're talking about even in our day and time is that if you just look at your life, most of the time you're formed more through suffering than anything else. Mm-hmm. And so we've said, you know, in suffering, God hasn't forgotten you. He's forming you. Right. And that's a key truth you have to hold on to, specifically in suffering, mm-hmm. that this is a way that God is drawing you close to him. He's using you in ways maybe he couldn't have mm-hmm. if everything was running smoothly. And that's I think true. that's been impactful for people. I, I like the verse in um, Hebrews where it says, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Mm. And to me, what that means is that um, Jesus wasn't out suffering because he was sinning. Right. It was he was trying to find the will of the Father. You know, he would he left his uh, mom and and Joseph when he was twelve years old, and they find him three days later, and his mom was really upset. You yeah, know? there's some suffering. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I guess I should have checked in first. You know, I told right. you I was going to my father's house. So I thought you knew what that meant. And um, to me. When we miss the spirit, when the spirit's prompting one way and either we're not obedient because of laziness or because of a lack of understanding or whatever it is, we miss the spirit. And later on, we think, oh, man, <laughs> this isn't so good. You know, that there's a suffering in that, a suffering not of, of agony, but a suffering of just a sense of not fulfilling all that God has for us at a time. Yeah, definitely. And uh, anyway, that's a great theme, man, because so many people nowadays have believed in some kind of pop culture Christianity that if you're doing X, Y, and Z, you don't have to suffer. You don't ever going to get sick. You don't have fear in the world. And it's just not realistic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I heard a pastor say recently that uh, preparation time isn't lost time. And suffering helps you realize that, I think, more than anything else, that uh, those times you're in the Word, loading your mind with thoughts of God, yeah. prayerfully considering God's purposes for your life, you begin to see how uh, significant that is when you suffer. And it's not that you go seek it out, right? right. Uh, yeah. But you don't you don't necessarily resist it either because you think this God's built me for this. He's prepared me for this, um, and that's what He did for Peter's audience. That's what He's doing for us. And it may look different, and it does. Yeah, um, but Jesus is exalted through it. We get a lot of joy, amazingly enough, through see through seeing Jesus work through it. Amen. Um, I was um, up in Mendocino a couple of weeks ago with my son, and I was preaching at a church and doing a men's ministry thing. And the pastor that hosted us is just an awesome guy. Mm-hmm. But I I did his wedding about thirty years 
30 plus years ago. He's got three kids that have grown up that love the Lord. He's, um, but he's never had enough money to even own a home. And, um, two days after we were up there, um, I found out that his, the owner of the home that they're living in a beautiful place is selling it and he's going to have to move again. But this is a guy so filled with faith, so filled with joy. When I called him up, he said, yeah, God's got something good for us, you know, mm-hmm. something good. Because when you're faithful and something comes to an end, you don't get thrown down the ladder. You get promoted somehow, some way. The Lord's got something more. And when you're planning a church, when you're starting a business, when you're starting a marriage, when you're launching yourself into college or a career, whatever it's going to be, you if you insist on having everything mapped out, you're never going to really go very far. You're never going to even get started. You're, you're going to let fear paralyze you. But if you can trust that the God who motivates you provides for you, um, all kinds of things are possible. Yeah, totally. And, you know, we're living proof of that. Our people are living proof mm-hmm. of that. I mean, the stories of this last year and a half or so of planning a church. I mean, it's not just our story. Yeah. It's, it's this group of people that has joined us in what God's doing. And, um, yeah, similar to that guy. I mean, there's just so many stories of people who are trusting God in the midst of uh, losing a job. Do you have anybody you, know, you can tell us things. about things that have actually inspired you? Yeah. I mean, I think right now there's a guy in our church who, uh, lost his job. Um, just, kind of came in and it happened that day and that was a week and a half ago maybe and you know just to see one our people come around him mm-hmm. um and say like hey i lost my job like six months ago and here's what happened here's what god did yeah. with that uh so seeing people coming around him and seeing that church family really take place uh seeing him and his it's not that he's not disappointed it's not that he's not still trying to figure mm-hmm. this thing out. Uh, but in the midst of that, I mean, he, he was key in helping us uh, do this PVCPM. He's, he's doing ministry. He's serving the Lord in the midst of it. And what a light in the darkness um, that is. And so it's cool to see that. Amen and amen. My guest is Tim Birdwell, pastor of Phoenix Bible Church. And uh, we'll be right back with more of this interview in just a moment. to Koinonia. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams, and my guest is Tim Birdwell from Phoenix Bible Church. Tim, you guys are downtown. It's a unique culture down there. Talk to us about downtown a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the you know, ASU downtown, the Children's Museum, and we're right there next to all that on mm-hmm. 7th Street, and we haven't been in the Valley forever, obviously, but just hearing people talk about how much it's changed in the last five years and the last 10 years. It's getting upgraded, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's even more. Uh, I just read an article recently that talked about there's going to be 200,000 bedrooms 
added in central downtown Phoenix in the next two years. And so it's it's growing, not yeah. as fast as the suburbs, obviously, but it's it's growing, it's changing. Uh, it's becoming more than just a place uh, to go work at. It's becoming a place to live and play yeah. and yeah. and do different things. It's getting more culture, you know, more diverse, interesting things to do. And, Absolutely. you know, a lot of that can be attributed back to Jerry Colangelo and his friends who um, chose years ago to invest in the arena for the Phoenix yeah. Suns and then the ballpark for the Diamondbacks and then the restaurants that went in around those and the hotel upgrades that took place. And and we have one of the safest, um, nicest downtown areas in America. When you think of so many other places, there's a lot of cities you don't want to go downtown. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what we've seen. I mean, we're seeing the, the seeds he planted, the seeds others planted. We're seeing that happen. I office in a co-working space called Marketplace One. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, again, God's providence. Just um, Marketplace One is a place right across the street from Talking Stick um, Arena mm-hmm. where the Phoenix Suns play right next to Chase Field. And so I'm on a floor. Uh, it's called the Department Phoenix. And uh, I'm on the flo- a floor with a bunch of other organizations. Some of them are Christian. Some of them are not. And uh, I'm the, the odd man out as the pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people always are curious. Are you the only pastor? I'm the only thing? pastor there, and so, I, but it gives me a great opportunity to talk about how work and faith collide and intersect. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to pray at the city council meeting last week Wonderful. downtown, which is right down the street from yeah. there. And so, um, it's given us, you know, officing out of there doing ministry down now, there. No, is the rent free or do you pay? We pay a, a small rent. It's a uh-huh. co-working space. And so, so it's tell a us bit about less. co-working. What yeah. Does it mean so exactly? um, I mean, I think they would say it in a similar way. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, it's a way for different organizations, businesses to intersect. And so you have uh, an organization that builds homes in Mexico, kind of like Habitat for Humanity, mm-hmm. a little bit different. Um, they have a, you know, eight, desks sectioned off for for Mm -hmm. their organization and they're right by me there's also some developers some graphic designers Um, there's a guy in our church who's a graphic designer who works there there's guys that come in and do meetings there and conferences Mm -hmm. this is a really nice space um, just to plug them but uh, it's it's interesting that you're working and you're doing your thing with your team and maybe you're in a conference room but there's also another team doing their thing and you just get that collaboration yeah. that, for me, I love because I'm not, um, it's not isolated, isolated yeah. in, a, in a church office where I don't get to talk to anybody. And so, um, That's so I love it. Yeah, it's been great. And whose vision was that? Whose idea was it? Was it um, the Edison's? Yeah, so Brett Edson mm-hmm. is uh, a big part of that. There's several guys that are partners there. Uh-huh. And uh, they've been doing the Marketplace One thing for a while, but that sixth floor just had its grand opening just a couple months ago. Wonderful. Yeah. That's really, really neat. Yeah. So another thing I like about you is you've got three kids. <laughs> now, you're you're not in a super secure uh, job situation, <laughs> but you and your wife have faith to have mm-hmm. kids. And I love that because God blesses kids. You know, I, years ago, one of my friends said to me, he was opening a Christian school. He said, Mark, one of the things we've learned since we had our Christian school is that God loves kids and he will take care of kids if we're willing to stretch. And I believe that's true for families. I believe that's true for schools. I believe it's true for churches and Sunday schools and across the board. 
If you invest in kids, the Lord loves kids. Where'd you get faith to have kids? Yeah, so we have a six-year-old, three-year-old, and eight-month-old, and our house is always exciting, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, uh, You know, we just... We just love um, hanging out with them. We love raising them up. Obviously, they're our first mm-hmm. ministry. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we, we talked about it, especially since having three. We feel like a team now. Yeah. Because everybody has to chip in. Right, right. <laughs> You're in over your head with three, for sure. Yeah, we're playing zone defense now. And so um, so we just feel like a family. And in the messiness, in the fun, they just get to walk through all that with us. And so yeah. I, I'll bring my kids along um, to different things, ministry things. They get to see that, experience it, ask questions. Um, my daughter, my six-year-old daughter, thinks our church is famous. She's, uh-huh. She'll say that. Yeah. Um, because of different, like a video she'll see. Or yeah. She, she asked me the other day, like, um, she said, Daddy, does everybody know about our church? <laughs> and, and I said, sweetie, I would love to think so. Right, right. Um, but you know, there's, there's a crew of people that do and yeah. they're awesome people and new or new people are joining us and they're awesome too. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's totally fun. I mean, obviously in sermons, you know, a, a father, our heavenly father, there's, mm-hmm. there's so many correlations there. Just this Sunday we were talking about in first Peter, be holy as I'm holy. Yeah. And he says as, as obedient children, specifically children, not slaves, not servants, right. Um, and so I talked about how the other day, my three-year-old son with my eight-month-old baby, he has her in a room and, uh, they're playing together and just loving life together. And he's slobbering on her arm. Yeah. And my wife is like, why are you, why are you doing that? Uh-huh. And he says, well, that's what boys do. <laughs> <laughs> and which is a little scary. And, uh, they kept talking and what he talked about was he sees daddy grab our little eight-month-old baby and on her stomach or on her arm. Yeah, you kiss her. And yeah, blow on her stomach, yeah. and she laughs and loves it. And so he's trying to do that. Right, right. However, he's slobbering <laughs> all over her. And so I just got to talk about how he's imitating me as his father. Yeah. Like it's relational. And it's the same way in our spiritual lives, that as we get to know God as father, that he's good, that he loves us, he's in control. As we get to know him, we take on his values, his lifestyle, his character, and it's not something we stumble into. It's a battle for sure, but it is something that is relational as we get to know God and, and who we are in him and we imitate him. Uh, it's exactly what happens with our kids. And right. um, so we've learned a ton. through That's wonderful. Kids. And you know what? Having children, whether they're your natural children, they're foster kids or adopted kids, you're making room in your life, in your heart, in your home for new life. Mm-hmm. And that's what the body of Christ is all about, too. It's God's family. He made room for us, totally. and we're called to make room for others. Sharing your faith, in a sense, is doing that. It's like, hey, I've got something wonderful. I'm going to make room for you. Can you receive it? Can you believe it? It's awesome. Yeah, you yeah know? exactly. And uh, if if more believers would literally just invite people over for lunch, over for dinner, mm-hmm. uh, over to hang out, um, hospitality is a neglected gift that is so valuable. Um, single people don't have to make bad choices if they feel loved and part of families. I mean, every married couple can invite a single person over. You don't have to just find the other perfect couple to hang out with. You can invite people over that that need a family, you know? Yeah. And that's what we've seen in our church. I and mean, we have a, 
a variety of ages in our church. I mean, I would say maybe the um, the singles, the the college students, the families, um, they all kind of intersect. They do so in groups throughout the week. Um, they do so at dinners, and you kind of have to convince uh, all of them that they're valuable. You know, right. you have to convince the older people right. like. And we need you guys desperately to mm-hmm. to invest in these other yeah. guys to model. Um, we need you guys as younger guys to go to those older guys and ask them questions, have the humility to say say to them. Uh, I think the the best thing uh, you see in the church is when a young guy or a young girl initiates with an older person and says, "Hey, can I take you out to lunch? Yeah, you've you've had kids, and I I want to do that one day. Mm-hmm. Um, you've loved your wife." well, and I know that it's really hard. Um, and I want to do that one day, or I want to do that now because I'm a young couple. How do I do that? How do you do that? And I think when we see that kind of life on life, discipleship, authenticity, Mm -hmm. um, happen, I mean, that's, that's the church we want to see. That's the church we want to be, um, is seeing that kind of stuff happen on a daily basis. So you just said something that really gets my attention. You said a young person asking old older person, how do you do that? How do you love like that? How do you stay faithful? And to me, one of the major important truths to understand about how to build relationships is simply the willingness to ask questions. Yeah, People, you know, it says in Ecclesiastes that there's a treasure in the heart of man and the wise person draws it out. Mm. Everybody has a treasure. Uh, how how do you keep enjoying life? You know, yeah. you've got some secrets. There's something about you that makes you enjoy life and know God, um, etc. And I want to get to know you, so I'm going to ask you questions about yourself. I want to draw that treasure out of you. And when you show interest in people, and I'm preaching to our listeners here now, if you show interest in people by asking them questions about themselves, that is a way to love them. It's a way to endear yourself to them because people like those who like them. Mm. If somebody knows that you care about them and you're not just trying to weasel your way into their life because you want to get something out of them, other than you want to share the love of Christ, you want to share life, you want to find out who they are and, and gain wisdom from them, that's how you build friendships. That's how you, you establish a network that, that allows the treasure that God has put in his people to be released person to person. Yeah, and I, I just try to celebrate that as much as possible. When that does happen, I mean, you just said it. It sounds so simple. Just ask mm-hmm. questions. Yeah. But not many people do it, right? Right. And so when people do, uh, there's a guy in our church who grabbed another guy who's older than he is, who's mm-hmm. done this thing, who has kids out of the house. Uh, the younger guy has kids in his house, little kids, and he just grabbed that guy in our church, grabbed the older guy, mm-hmm. and said, hey, I want to get together once a week for coffee and go through the book of Romans. So they started light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they just started getting together, and we just try to celebrate that as much as possible. Hey, these guys are doing that. Here's what it looks like. You can do the same thing. Yeah. Amen and amen. Stay tuned. We're going to be back with Tim Birdwell from Phoenix Bible Church in just a moment. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. I'm glad you've tuned in.
All righty. My guest has been Tim Birdwell. Tim, it's been a pleasure having you on. You're like a old pro on the radio already. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mark. Tell people how to get in contact with you and the church. Uh, so phoenixbiblechurch.com. Uh, best way you can find all the information there, ministries, Sunday, times, locations, contact info, phoenixbiblechurch.com, really easy. Uh, we meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at ASU Prep Academy, downtown Phoenix, 7th Street at Phil- and Fillmore, mm-hmm. uh, right down the street from the Children's Museum, right down the street from ASU downtown, on 7th Street. You pull up, there's parking right there, you walk in, uh, there'll be people there to greet you, Um Let's see. I think that's the primary ways. We have a Facebook page, Twitter, Wonderful. all that Wonderful. kind of stuff as well. Phoenix so. Bible Church. Yes. Um, or you can go to Living Streams if, you, <laughs> if you've exhausted Phoenix Bible yeah, Church already. Um, we're on the corner of Central and Glendale. We meet at 9.15 and 11 a.m. on Sundays. You can look us up on the web at livingstreams.org. But uh, wherever you are listening to us you need to find a good church because you're not going to grow in Christ on your own. You're not going to bear fruit on your own. You're only going to bear fruit if you link your lives with others, serve Jesus together. That's God's plan for a healthy family, for the maturing process. And uh, that's what we want for our listeners, isn't it? Amen. Absolutely. You got a closing word for us? Man, I would just say we've been in First Peter, and I think just the living hope we have in Jesus you can't beat that. I mean, there's so much joy in that. Even when things go wrong, you can trust in Jesus. Find him, uh, pursue him, follow him, and find that church you're talking about and plug in, and God's going to have good things in store for you. Amen and amen. He's got eternal life for those who believe. This is Tim Birdwell and Mark Buckley saying thanks for being with us today. God bless you. <laughs>